welcome to Let It Out. I am Katie Dalebow and I've hosted this podcast since 2013. I'm recording today's episode on June 9th. There is a revolution happening, which is great because Black Lives Matter and I support fully justice for far too many Black people who have lost their lives brutally due to systematic oppression in this country. There wasn't an episode last week because I was and am still listening more than I'm speaking. We were muted to amplified voices of Black, Indigenous people of color. I am committed to moving forward and following and amplifying and supporting Black voices, the movement we're in right now. I take responsibility that I and Let It Out, this podcast and community, are committed to improving, to increase diversity, and to use my privilege as a white host and producer to elevate Black voices and highlight them. This is our 300th episode of this podcast, which feels like a really big number to me. It is a big number, and it feels like a milestone and one to celebrate, but also use as a marker to reflect on how I can continue to improve, diversify, amplify marginalized people, and talk more about the systematic oppression in this country that I, as a white person of privilege, contribute to. I've been learning so much, like probably many of us white people in the last week, on allyship, and I've been working through Linnea Sims anti-racism practice group, which is tremendous, and she will be coming on the podcast soon. I've been reading about White Fragility, which is a book that I highly recommend, and I recently watched a talk from 2018 with the author and some other people at The Strand, which I'll post in the show notes of this episode that was really illuminating for that particular piece of content as well. Those are just some of the many things that I'm doing right now, and I'm committed to learning and striving to do better. As Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. And therefore, Let It Out will be better, more inclusive, more diverse. I originally planned for this week's episode to be a clips episode where you'd hear from previous guests, like a Where Are They Now style episode, and we would reflect on what's changed in the last 300 episodes, but a celebratory episode episode doesn't feel right for me right now. And I think I want to keep the tone of this episode more reflective. I do, however, want to mention the past and talk about how I'm moving forward and update you on where I am now presently. I made a voicemail box for Let It Out and I asked you, the listeners, to leave me questions to interview me. And I sent the voicemail box to all 300 past podcast guests, asking them to leave a message updating us since their last episode. We actually got a lot of really great questions and I'll share a few in this episode and share more in upcoming episodes And we got a lot of really great updates from past podcast guests. It was really cool to hear from them. And I'll share a couple of those in this week's episode as well. But I first want to use some of our time together to talk about the more important issue right now, which is and has been an important issue, even though I haven't been explicitly discussing it here as much as I want to and will moving forward. 
anti-racism work, first of all, to our Black listeners. I'll say to you what I said to my Black friends, because you are my friends too, even if we haven't met yet. I know we haven't talked about racism much in our friendship, or in this case, on this podcast. And I realize that my not seeing color has been super naive and unaware. And I know I'll never understand what you and your families are feeling, but I'm so grateful that you're here and I'm committed to doing better and non-defensively taking feedback and learning. I fully recognize that while I've had some wonderful Black guests on this podcast, it's not enough. And my podcast guests have been a reflection of my network, which is not as diverse as I want it to be. And I'm going to continue to be aware of this and further diversify, and I'm really optimistic about the future. So thank you. To my white and non-Black listeners, which I understand is the majority of us, I hope that we can keep learning and advocating. We need to step up. This cannot just be a week. This needs to be systematic changes that start with us looking inward and acknowledging our privilege and growing and talking to our families and communities and standing up for justice, which, you know what? We talk about self-care and body image and trying to be better at being ourselves, and all of these things are interconnected with anti-racism work. We can do better and highlight and advocate for our Black friends and community, and there are a ton of resource lists flying around, but I made us one with some helpful videos and books and people to follow and places to donate. I've also saved a highlight on my personal Instagram as well as Let It Out's Instagram with anti-racism resources. These lists are not exhaustive at all, but it will provide, you know, a starting point or add to what you've already seen. And maybe it's repetitive, but it's there for you. And I think what has been especially informative or eye-opening to me I've starred and I'm going to call out a couple things in this episode specifically, but you know, what I put on this list are things that I found from other people, but the, the main ones I'm going to star for you. And that's what I've sent to my parents to have deeper conversations about this and discussed with friends. And I'll continue to add to this list and maybe we can have a dialogue in the Facebook group and with each other to help each other. Because again, as I'm sure all of you know by now, this burden doesn't lie with Black people to educate us. This is something that we need to DIY with each other and support each other as white people to be the best allies that we can be. So that list is robust. It has a lot on it, which is what I wanted. But right now I just want to share a short list because while it's so great that there's so much that we actually can do as white allies, and there are so many articles and books and documentaries about race, it can also feel like there's so much I want to do, I don't know where to start or what to do today. And that's a feeling that is not specific to anti-race work for me. I've talked about on this podcast before how in many contexts, creativity or 
work or productivity, I can feel overwhelmed. And, you know, that quote I often say of like, there's so much I want to do or consume that I end up doing not much. And I don't want that feeling to be a deterrent to me becoming a better ally, right? So last week I felt overwhelmed with resources. I wanted to watch every video and read every article and listen to every podcast. And I was just going, 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 going. And I noticed several times that I wasn't actually retaining the information that I was taking in, which is counterproductive of my time. I wasn't resting and I also wasn't learning. I was just doing almost like to check a box. It made me feel better. And that's not useful. So each week and starting right now, I'm going to commit to sharing just a few top things that I've done in my personal anti-racism work to share with you. And maybe it's helpful or useful, or maybe you've done this, or maybe you've done other things, and you can tell me. I'm not an expert in anti-racism, although it's been on my head and on my heart for years, and I've been making efforts to become anti-racist, but I regret not centering this work more in my life sooner, and I'm committed to doing better now, which we've covered, (laughs) but last week for many of us, including me, was a wake-up call. And now we're awake, and now the work starts. And to avoid my own discomfort, at first I was really just scared and copying what other people were saying and doing and hoping I was going to be doing it right so I didn't have to feel uncomfortable, (laughs) right? But being uncomfortable is part of learning, I've avoided thinking critically or saying the wrong thing about race, but saying nothing is the wrong thing and making mistakes and feeling discomfort is part of the messiness of this process of growth. We have to start somewhere in order to learn and grow in all capacities, personally and definitely with anti-racism work. The work didn't start last week. It has been going on for years. I'm just new to it. And it's far from ending next week. (laughs) And one thing that we can take away from last week, again, is that there's so much we can do. And this anti-racism work is uncomfortable because it makes us look at shame, specifically how we've played into a system that is extremely oppressive. And looking at that is uncomfortable and intense. And how could it not be uncomfortable to look at how you've played into a system that's oppressive? And my friend Simi said, doing all of this is not enough, but it's our responsibility to try and keep going, especially as people here in the Let It Out community who are creative and tender and working to be more vulnerable This is it. This is the ultimate soft story, you guys, of looking at our own shadow and it's intense and it will require a mental health plan to sustain it. And I got that from one of my favorite black women that I follow and I encourage you guys to follow if you don't already, Erica Chitty. She is the founder of Loom and a reproductive health advocate and an author of this book, Nurture, that I get for every single person in my life who's about to have a baby. 
she posted a video on Monday that is wonderful and addresses this. I watched it twice and I took notes and I want to read to you some of the notes that I took verbatim. But again, watch the video because there's more. Okay, so she said, for white people who are having a deep unlock around their own bias, please understand that you have to do this work for the rest of your life. This is not a seven-day moment. It's a long-term process that you have to DIY. There has to be a parallel process that's key to the survival of white people's desire to help the movement, and that is mental health. Really acknowledging our racism is putting you in deep and constant contact with shame. We are already dysregulated because of this pandemic. It's not as simple as self-care and racism go together, but as we excavate our bias, there will be tension and stress and an intense mental health plan will be necessary to sustain us as we dismantle our racism. There's an intense push to learn, but that needs to be supported with mental health support. It's going to be a boom and a bust, which won't get us to where we want to go, which is systematic change without that. Thank you, Erica, for that video. Again, please watch the entire thing. She gives two other really important points that I'm not going to get into here, but I'll link the video in the show notes and watch it in full. So again, like she said, all of us have been dysregulated already by this pandemic, and those of us trying to be allies must take care of our mental health as we move through this. But I also want to mention for Black listeners, there are a number of organizations that are offering low-cost mental health services to the Black community right now, which I will link to all of them in the show notes. So with that, more on mental health and self-care and making a plan because I think that's really crucial to us as allies to remain sustained, to be able to practice this anti-racism work and to get better. The term self-care actually comes from Audre Lorde. I'm not sure if you knew that, but it was made for activists. And the host of Food Psych, Christy Harrison, explained that to me. And I actually have that explanation recorded because it was for a print article that I wrote on Let It Out, which I'll link to. But here's Christy talking a bit about self-care for activists. This was recorded last summer. There's a lot of things that go under the guise of self-care that are really not. And I actually think about the roots of the word self-care, which was, or the phrase self-care, which was coined by Audra Lord. She talked about it as an act of radical self-preservation, as a necessary act for activists in order to help recover from the sort of demands of activism and to preserve our energy and conserve ourselves for the fight. And she's a Black woman. She, she was talking about Black women, I think, specifically, but was also an intersectional feminist and you know, was for women's liberation as a whole, too. I think the idea of self-care in her sense is something I really jibe with and I think is so important for like women and marginalized people, people of color, black folks, trans folks, people with disabilities, like people who are doing activism in these areas and who are marginalized and so experiencing 
the oppressions that they might be fighting against or maybe experiencing other oppressions. Like, you know, I'm in a thin body, but I'm also a cisgender woman. So I experience sexism and misogyny. And I do to some extent experience diet culture, of course, because I live in it, but I'm not in a larger body. So I'm not experiencing weight stigma, even though I'm like centering a lot of my career around fighting against that. But, you know, I feel for me personally and for other activists, I know that self-care is essential in doing this work. It's obviously takes privilege, I think, to even get to that point, because if you're just out in the world all the time in a marginalized body, sometimes you, you don't have that privilege of totally unplugging and disconnecting. But, to, but I think everyone, even those who are marginalized and like can't really escape it in their daily life, need to find some place to go, some sort of space that is safe from that, even if it's just in your own home doing whatever feels good to you, like lying down on the floor and closing your eyes and playing some soothing music or taking a bath or making some food after a long day or whatever it might be. I also think there's privilege in even being able to engage in self-care, you know, that like self-care is not accessible to everyone depending on their mental health status or their socioeconomic status and all these things. But it also doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be like a day at the spa or something. It can just be, you know, it could be a day in the park or a day with nothing planned where you just sit around and read or something. I also want to mention that the main topic of Christy, who you just heard from her show, Food Psych, is eating disorder recovery and intuitive eating. And that as well as wellness or well-being have been frequent topics on this podcast, especially historically over those last 300 shows. So I want to mention that diet culture and body image are deeply rooted in racism. The movement of body positivity was created by Black women. We've mentioned this before on this podcast, but not enough. And the anti-diet movement must be an anti-racism movement because diet culture is built on a foundation of racism And that we know from past episodes, like the episode with Savala Nolan, we get into this a little bit, I'll link to that. And she has, speaking of, written a couple articles recently that I have loved and I will link to in the show notes as well. We also talk on this podcast so frequently about creativity. Over the years, it's come up so many times, we've talked about creativity and journaling And it's something that I want to continue to talk about forever and something I've been thinking about specifically related to anti-racism work and this revolution that we're in right now is that for this to be sustainable, it must be integrated creatively into what we already do. It's a creative challenge to do that. I will never teach a workshop on anti-racism because I'm not an expert in that. There are people who do that well, and that is not me. I am educating myself the best I can right now. And what I do want to do is work to more seamlessly integrate anti-racism into my current work. So with that, I want to share workshops by Black women that include journaling prompts. I want to highlight them specifically because I wrote a book about journaling that some of you maybe read or know. 
So I want to share some journaling prompts and some resources that include journaling prompts. So one of them is Me and White Supremacy by Layla Saad. And that is one that I've been hearing about a lot again and again. So maybe you have already heard about that one. And recently I heard about a workshop that's a two-hour recorded intro class that includes journal prompts and breath work, and it's called Spiritual Activism. It's in our resource list, and I'll link to it specifically in the show notes. Also, Dive In Well has a Patreon with journaling prompts to explore unconscious biases, and I think that will be a really useful workbook and resource right now. And again, the anti-racism practice group has journaling prompts that I'm really loving. So I will link to that. And again, the creator will be on the podcast very soon. And I'll say, you know, what I usually say about journaling, which is that it can be off-putting and we can put it off. I know I do because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to look at to look under the hood of our subconscious, right? We don't want to feel uncomfortable feelings, so we avoid, right? We turn to get a snack or text a person or sometimes I work over things or procrastinate because I want to avoid. But I think, you guys, it's leaning into the discomfort. (laughs) That's where the gems are. That's where we grow, you know? This is not a typical episode, I'm obviously way more prepared than I normally am for an intro and for an episode, and it's a little bit uncomfortable, but you know what? Maybe this is growth. And that's the thing with this that I'm finding is that it does take effort. Like I said, it's do it yourself. It's Google it. It's things I could have done before, but I didn't prioritize, and I want to change that. So anyway, here are some questions that I've been asking myself in case they are useful to you. I've kind of been using these as prompts and thought starters and discussion points. And again, this is not exhaustive. This is just what's been coming to me and I thought I would share. I'm asking myself, how can I amplify voices of others? How can I notice my blind spots and correct them quickly? Learning to be not defensive, defenselessness, I guess. What actions am I taking daily, weekly, monthly, ongoing? I'm making a lot of lists. I'm asking how I can hold myself accountable. I'm getting an accountability partner. I have two right now who are white people that I'm asking to please lovingly but directly tell me how I can be better and how I can hold my community accountable. You guys, how we can all help each other and how we can fight for justice. That's where I'm at right now. I can put those in the show notes as well if you want to reflect on those too. But again, not an exhaustive list. There are probably way better questions to ponder from people who are experts in anti-racism, and that is not me. If you're new here or somewhat new, we have a podcast starter page that has different topics and things that we've discussed. And we made a section at the very top of it that highlights BIPOC guests. And some of my favorite episodes of Let It Out have been with Black guests. And we are sharing some of those at the very top of our podcast starter page. So if you want to 
listen to some of those episodes, this might be a really great time to do that. And I am optimistic that we can grow in terms of anti-racism and diversity and inclusion of Black, Indigenous, people of color, as well as LGBTQ plus people on this podcast. I'm very committed to that and growing in terms of content and quality. I want to become better in all of the ways. When I started this podcast, I was 22 years old living in Michigan. The show at the time was called The Wellness Wonderland, and that name came to me in a yoga class, and I thought it was the most darling name ever created in the history of names. (laughs) Um, And then in 2015, I changed the name to Let It Out because I wanted to diversify what I was talking about. Wellness was no longer a priority to me. I thought that wellness wasn't just well-being really isn't just green juice and yoga. It's creativity and it's connection and it's relationships and it's career and it's laughing and entertainment and so many other parts. So Since that first show, since that first iteration, I have lived in multiple states. I've changed jobs. I've changed friends. I've changed relationships. When I started, I had this boyfriend who I've spoken about before in terms of this podcast because he was really influential in this podcast existing. And he gave me my first microphone as a gift. And he put this feed on iTunes. He taught me how to edit. And so this is really brought to you by him. (laughs) I don't think he's listening, but if he is, hi and thank you. And since him, there have been many more boyfriends and breakups. (laughs) And if you've listened to this at any point in time. You've probably heard about that at length. And now I'm 30 and single and I'm in LA and I'm in the midst of a pandemic and a revolution. And through all of this, really high highs and some really low depressed lows, (laughs) I have been recording interviews and asking questions and recording intros everywhere I go. And I've grown up a lot in these episodes. I've met people. I've encouraged other podcasters. I've watched the medium grow. And I never could have predicted 2020 and all that's happened collectively this year. But I'm so grateful that I'm able to still record and share a show with you throughout all of this. I've grown up through these last 300 episodes and I'm really grateful that you're still here or maybe you're new, but I've said this so many times, but it's really genuinely true. This is my favorite thing that I've ever done. It's the longest relationship that I've had in my adult life is with you guys. So genuinely, I'm incredibly grateful. I am working on a giveaway for you to thank you, a present. And I don't know, I really love doing meetups and events because I would get to meet you in person and have conversations with you. And I really miss that. So I'm going to try to think of some other ways that we can connect and do what we would do at events and meetups this summer. I was already planning to do a book club this summer and 
I am working out the details of that, but I want to highlight a book from a black person. And I'm really excited to share more about that. So stay tuned. If you want information about that, make sure you're on my let it out letter list. But before I take you back with some quotes and messages from past guests, I want to talk about the future. Who do you want to hear? What do you want us to discuss? We have a voicemail box now, so you can leave us a message and I'll link to that in the show notes. There are a lot of people who have already left questions for me this last week, and I will answer those and save the rest to do one each episode, maybe moving forward. So before we get into a couple of those questions and hear from some old guests, we'll take a quick break for an ad and a portion of today's revenue will be going towards a black organization to support justice. And I will link to that in the show notes if you want to also support and donate along with me. That would be cool. This week's episode is sponsored by Skillshare. The online learning community is offering our listeners, you guys, two months of a free premium membership. You can explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity with classes from Skillshare. Right now, Skillshare is such an important resource to have so you can stay inspired and express yourself and connect to a community of creatives with fascinating classes on topics like drawing and writing. It can be a really great way to manage stress and practice mindfulness and feel connected to one another. I recently took a Skillshare class called Creative Personal Writing, Write the Real You by previous podcast guest, actually, Ashley C. Ford, who I really love. And she's just so cool. The class was amazing. Skillshare offers classes designed for real life and all the circumstances that come with it. Creative self-discovery and expression can settle your mind and spontaneous acts of creativity can help break up the routine and, you know, spending the whole day indoors. It's just really great. And Skillshare's short classes are a perfect fit. I think you guys will really like them. You'll create real projects and get support from fellow creatives who, you know, provide encouragement and communication and inspiration. It's just honestly really great. You can explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash let it out where listeners get free two months of a premium membership. Again, that's two months free at Skillshare.com slash let it out. Finding a perfect gift is tough at any time and finding the perfect present for your dad or someone's birthday that's really close to you, especially if you don't have the luxury of celebrating, say, Father's Day together in person, it can be really tough because I know that more than anything, parents and most family members cherish spending time together more than any gift. And that's why I'm giving my parents the most meaningful gift this year, which is a chance to connect through something called StoryWorth. So 
it's really cool you and it's so perfect for us you guys you ask these specific questions they're unique to connect with your family all over the world and you kind of journal back and forth it's it's really cool and i'm learning a lot about my parents and our history and connecting more than i would normally StoryWorth is a fun and meaningful way to engage with family especially relatives that you might not get to see often this online service helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts it's a gift of spending time together wherever you live and sometimes it's hard to actually connect even when you're together in person you know each week story worth emails your family member and they get a different story prompt or questions that you've you know never thought to ask like what have been some of your life's greatest surprises or what are some of the riskiest things you've ever done and you know i i asked my mom about when she met my dad what she thought and i asked my dad what he thought about meeting my mom and you know they don't even speak to each other but i thought that was interesting it's really cool reading the weekly stories is really fun and it makes me feel closer to my family even though we're not all together you know i'm learning a lot about my parents through this it's really vulnerable and so connected to everything i talk about on let it out and helping me to see them in a new way so after one year, StoryWorth will compile every answered question and a photo of you that you choose to include into a beautiful keepsake book that is shipped for free. My family's going to treasure this forever. Give your dad or, you know, anyone in your life really this meaningful gift this year with StoryWorth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com slash let it out. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash let it out for $10 off. Hey, Katie. Congratulations on episode 300. It's so, so inspiring. Um, Thanks for all the work that you do for fellow podcasters that are out there. And for those fellow podcasters, uh, what would be, given that you have two podcasts and you help so many other people with their podcasts and now 300 episodes, uh, what would be three pieces of advice that you give to aspiring podcasters? Not 300, just three. Uh, thanks for all that you do, Katie. Congrats. Uh, excited for the next 300. Thanks again. Thank you for that question, David. And David has a very cool podcast that I was just a guest on. The first piece of advice that I would say is, you know, it's a weird time to start a podcast. I think that listens are down and people are figuring out where to fit listening to podcasts into their routines. But I think it's a great way to share information and that people should still start podcasts if they want to. And the biggest piece of advice that I would say right now is figure out how to use your privilege and your voice to help other people as much as you can. Does the world need another podcast? Is there room for everyone? Yeah, there there kind of is. And I think as long as you're highlighting BIPOC and, you know, LGBTQ plus, I think you could use your privilege to elevate marginalized 
communities. And I think that's a good thing. You know, it's not like it costs a lot of resources, you know, from a sustainability perspective to have a lot of podcasts. So I think as long as you can use your privilege for good, a creative outlet is always a good thing. So here's to podcasting. All right, next question. Hi, Katie. My name is Alana. Um, Love you and I love your podcast so much. Um, I don't have a specific question for one particular guest. However, I would just love a compilation of like how everybody's doing, what folks are learning during this time of quarantine, anything like that. All right, Alana. Well, you are in luck. We're going to hear from a couple past podcast guests and they're really nice and earnest and I can't wait for you to hear them. Before you hear these clips, I want to acknowledge that they are overwhelmingly white and that is because the lack of diversity in my podcast as a whole. And I can commit and take action to you right now that the 400th episode when you're hearing new clips they will feature people who are much more diverse than what you're about to hear but still nonetheless enjoy these clips with some reflection and I'm doing my own reflection moving forward and I'm really looking forward to improving in all of these areas that I've discussed with you. Okay so first up we have Claire who is a mental health advocate and a therapist and a yoga teacher. And she's a friend of the podcast who's been on twice. I first came over to her apartment to record our first episode and her dog Duke was climbing all over us in the living room. So we ended up going into her bedroom and sitting on her bed for hours and recording. And she took this really cool photo of me that I'll dig up and and post, but she had this really cool red light in her bedroom and I'll never forget that day. And then we did a live episode last year at the assemblage and we spoke a lot about bodies and change and anyway here's claire hello katie and everyone with the let it out podcast my name is claire fountain and wow katie and i got to talk twice so big fan of the podcast and just so happy anytime i get to share we talked about eating disorders mental health self-worth pretty sure we might have talked about relationships, just a mix of things. And since we recorded the second episode, oh, I was in such a transition at that point in my life. So much traveling, so many things going on. And since then, you know, I think things have calmed down in a way, if that's possible, right? And doing clinical mental health work, I'm finally in all my hours after many years of school. So just in a time where I feel like I'm able to truly help and do the work that I care the most about. So it's a lot of trauma-informed work and somatic practices and being able to really, you know, hold space, hold space in the way that feels the most authentic for me and feels the most like the work that I was called to do. And right now, we are in quarantine or stay at home, which has been really an interesting time. I think it comes in waves. At first, it was kind of the like super call to action, especially being in mental health care of like, how can I help? What can I do? Overwhelmed with work, overwhelmed with kind of the protocol of having to set things up to be able to help in a way that is that makes sense. 
and from there, you know, had a really bad migraine at one point and thought I really need to like go back to my own grounding practices. Um, you know, spending the time to take care of me in a way, you know, it's been a time to reflect for sure. And I understand that that comes with a lot of privilege that I'm still able to work and that, you know, I'm still able to be safe and I'm able to stay home and I have a space where I do feel safe and I'm able, you know, and I'm able to stay home again. So, you know, so it's like a time to reflect, but also a time with a lot of great perspective and being able to hold space for kind of collective grief and collective pain and how tough this is for everybody, you know, how tough the mental health side of it is, how tough being alone is, how tough not having human touch is. And, you know, noticing like how it comes in waves, noticing when things are stressful, noticing when things are sad, noticing when things hurt more than others, and just being able to sit with that and not get lost in maybe how, how tough it is, not get lost in, you know, not thinking there's a future, not thinking there's things to plan for, just knowing that like they'll come, they'll just come in a different time, you know, it'll just be a different wave. So yeah, that's what I've been doing. So that's what I've kind of learned is just to sit with it and what I really want and what matters the most. And it's, you know, important for me to notice what has felt the best for me, you know, wanting to see my friends more, <laughs> all those kind of things. And yeah, I think that that's the, the best advice I could give anyone is just to remain kind of present, present in your experience, whatever that might be, and present in the ways that you need to feel better. You know, what does self-soothing look like for you? What are things you can do for yourself? Um, you know, because everybody says, well, how do you fix it? And it's like, there might not be a solution. There's not a solution right now. And how can we sit with you know, not having a bullet point to-do list of how to make this pain go away or how to make things better right now in this moment. Like, how can we sit with that? How can we, you know, hold ourselves? How can we, you know, just accept that this is where it is and this is what's happening right now. So that would be, I don't know if that's advice per se, but that would be my thoughts there. And yeah, I can't wait till we all get to catch up again. And I'm just super excited wow, 300 episodes. That is, that is a lot. And I'm very proud. So thanks so much for letting me be a part of this. And I'm glad I could share even on this recap. All right. This next clip is from Danny Harris Kornfeld. And we had him on the podcast, I mean, maybe 2016, 2017. My boyfriend at the time surprised me with tickets to rent and I got to meet Danny, when I came to New York, oh, there's a um, protest firework. Anyway, I met him when I came to New York and we got Thai food and it was like my third day in the city and it feels very magical. And I'll just say this clip that he submitted made me cry at the end. It's such a treat. Hey, this is Danny Harris Kornfeld. Um, you might remember me from my episode with Katie about uh, life on the road when I was touring uh, with the 20th anniversary of Rent. I was Mark Cohen in that show. Um, and life since then seems wild to think back right now, but um, life has been good. I've been working in and out of the city in theater. I made my off-Broadway debut last year um, in a musical called Renaissance, which was uh, based on the poem of Edna St. Vincent Millay. 
Um, she, if you don't know who she is, take a look at her poetry. It's pretty astounding. We recorded a cast album. It's on Spotify. You can hear me sing there. Um, I fell in love. I have a boyfriend of a year and a half. He is a clinical social worker. Um, we're currently together in quarantine and I've learned that my attention span has been shot over the past couple years. Um, and I think it's just a cycle of the way that we receive information these days with social media and just quippy news bites. Um, so I've, I've really been devoting my time every day to reading in the morning. I wake up and I read for about an hour. And then I've also been teaching myself to play the guitar. And I just, it's so simple, but it's so true that if you do little things like that every day, you eventually get good at things like guitar and reading. And so now I'm on my eighth book of quarantine and I haven't read that much probably ever. So I am very proud of myself. And yeah, I, I was supposed to be doing a show right now that got canceled or postponed because of the pandemic, but I've been trying to stay creative through guitar and photography. And so what I want to let out right now is just a couple chords that I taught myself. So here goes. Somebody said you got a new friend. Does she look better than I can? There's a big black sky over my town. I know where you're at, but she's around. Yeah, I know it's stupid I just gotta see it for myself I'm in the corner Watching you kiss her Oh I'm right over here Why can't you see me? Oh I'm giving you my heart I'm not the guy you're taking home mm -hmm. I keep dancing on my own It's not perfect, but it's a start and I'm proud of it. Be well, everyone. Next up is my friend, Abby Miller. Abby is a gem and this is a really sweet update that she has, so I'll let her share her news, but... The concept of time pessimism that Abby talked about in her episode is something that I think about often. And it's instead of, you know, trying to fit in four things in an hour, saying that you'll get two done and being a pessimist with your time rather than an optimist where you try to fit in 12 things to kind of prevent boredom or loneliness, which is something that I typically have done. And the pandemic is great for practicing that concept. So here's an update from Abby. And you can hear more about that concept in her episode. Hi, Katie and the Let It Out crew. It's Abby Miller. 
My update in the Where Are They Now series is that the reason I'm whispering is since our last episode, I had a baby. So I'm a new mama and just hanging out at home in quarantine with my little adorable munchkin. And life is pretty good. I, it's so funny, preparing for postpartum um, is not that different than preparing for quarantine. So I feel really grateful that energetically I was already moving into a place of slowness and quiet and like just being home all the time. I'm honoring the the practice of the first 40 days of um, postpartum being really quiet and just me and my fam. So really nothing changed there except that food was not... <laughs> Uh, you know, couldn't, we couldn't order our favorite takeout, basically. Really feeling grateful for our, you know, just privilege there. And otherwise, you know, life is good. It's a wild world out there. I have a lot to say today is the protest for George Floyd um, for his murder. And that's really present on my mind is, wow, just, just, the privilege that I'm living with um, and hoping to, when I emerge from maternity leave, find ways to continue to leverage it in my community and in my work. So that's kind of it. I don't have any work updates. Everything's kind of locked down and quiet until probably this fall. And otherwise, just sending everyone so much love and hoping that we can all have perspective in this wild time and continue to love each other. Because that's what it's all about. The next clip is from Isabel. She is one of my favorite people since we recorded many of these episodes. Gosh, I think she's been on the podcast, I don't know, several times, three or four even. We've become really close friends. She is wise. And if you are, as she puts it, feeling crazy around food, her work is so useful. And listen back to our episodes She's one of the people who has really helped me most with, you know, a really long-term relationship that is complicated with food in my body. I'll just, I'll say that. Hi, I'm Isabel Fox and Duke. And if you remember, Katie and I talked about uh, divorcing ourselves from diet culture, ending diet binge cycling, getting out of chronic dieting or, you know generally what I call feeling crazy around food. And yeah, oh my gosh. I think we had a couple of episodes actually where we talked about that. Um, Happy 300th episode, Katie. Gosh, so since our last recording, um, I have been doing pretty well. The world has kind of turned upside down with quarantine, but I think relatively speaking, my quarantine has been okay. Um, I, you know, everyone's safe in my family, you know, no like crazy emergencies. Um, but I do live alone. So I am kind of navigating that, uh, the sort of the world of quarantine isolation as a single person. And, um, that has been really interesting and filled with lots of lessons. Um, and something that I have found to be just really helpful for getting through it is just like focusing on practices that really help regulate my nervous system, which, you know, is something that I've been talking about more and more with my clients who are struggling with diet mentality or disordered eating of some kind. These things are really expressions of anxiety, stress, um, and, 
something that I've been finding is just like really like a key facet in managing anxiety and stress for me personally, but I think the research is really growing around this is, um, is, you know, vagal tone, right. And managing the nervous system through really pumping up that vagus nerve. Um, anyone's familiar with the vagus nerve, it's a major, major, major nerve that like basically runs all the way from your brain down through your belly and has a massive impact on, um, your nervous system and kind of switching between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system, which directly relates to anxiety, stress, these kinds of feelings physiologically in the body. So I have been doing, I've started an at-home chanting practice. Um, that's been my most exciting new venture and adventures of Isabel's vagal toning, adventures in Isabel's um, navigation or management of my nervous system. Um, and that has been so rewarding. And I've really been diving into that a lot during quarantine. I bought a harmonium, which is like, I've never really played an instrument consistently in my entire life. And I'm actually playing this instrument on a regular basis. I'm taking an online virtual class with uh, the Kirtan Leadership Institute, which has been amazing. And yeah, I'm just, it's just kind of fascinating how much chanting and singing, you know, really um, impacts the way my body feels. That's something new and exciting to talk about. I don't think I've really shared that publicly, but yeah, we're going for it. At home chanting practice. That is my uh, new recommendation for anyone who loves, if you love singing, especially like if you sang as a kid and you're like, I never get to sing anymore. Consider chanting, consider starting an at home chanting practice really great for anxiety management and stress management. It's basically singing meditation um, that has like physiological reasons why it makes you calmer. So yeah, I guess I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) This was so fun to just check in and I love you, Katie. And that's what I'm going to let out today. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Cora is someone who I actually met through Isabel and she ended up becoming my life coach in like 2015, 2016, maybe 2014, a while ago. And we actually reconnected during this quarantine, but here's a little update from Cora. My name is Cora and Katie and I spoke about body love and acceptance and that journey. And we talked about intuitive eating and intuitive activity and intuitive living And wow, what have I been up to? Well, since our time together, I've been really focused on realness and self-honesty and have actually dropped a lot of different ego identities that I was very attached to, including like spiritual coach or guide and, and really embracing my messiness and my humanness. And I had this big realization recently that the part of myself that doesn't feel good enough is never going to feel good enough. And the part of me that knows the truth will always feel good enough. So I've stopped trying to become enlightened or trying to wake up and instead have focused on being awake and being and coming from the part of myself that knows I'm already good enough. So that's been an interesting journey. 
And what I most want to let out in this moment is that I am really inspired to reflect on how much I've benefited from white privilege in my life and learn more about that and reflect and get more real about it and ask myself how I can take action to promote change in the world in the direction of true equality and justice for for all and i'm i'm very inspired about this the illustrator and writer mari andrew and i recorded right after i had like the most horrific breakup and her art is so relevant for for so many things but it felt particularly relevant for heartbreak because she wrote about that quite a bit. And she happened to be my neighbor where I used to live in the East Village. And I ran into her like two or three times in the neighborhood, once at the post office and once at yoga. And eventually she came over and did my podcast in my old apartment. And this update is great because you get to hear she makes this distinction about creativity that actually really helped me look at things differently when I heard it. Hi, this is Mari Andrew. And last time I talked to Katie, it was in February 2019. My first book, Am I There Yet?, had been out for a year. And I was sort of trying to figure out what I was doing. (laughs) I still am trying to figure that out. Um, It's sort of a weird thing to be a writer who doesn't have really consistent work, i.e. I can't write a book all the time, you know? So in the past year, I've done a lot of speaking and I was going to do some more this year. And then our friend coronavirus took that away from me, our enemy, I should say. So I'm in a, again, (laughs) place where I'm like, what am I doing? But I finished my second book. Um, It's coming out next March, which feels really soon all of a sudden, March 2021. That totally felt like a hypothetical year. It's a book I'm really proud of. I think it's the one I've always wanted to write. So I'm really excited about that. And it's nice to have something to be excited about right now that isn't like something that could be canceled. Like, I don't think my book can be canceled. I think it still has to come out no matter what. My book tour might be canceled, but a book can't really be canceled. So it's nice to look forward to something. And also it's already done, which is also really nice. But that has put me in a kind of weird place during quarantine because it's like, I do feel better when I'm productive. I know that, you know, we shouldn't be hard on ourselves for not being productive, but I I just feel a lot better when I am. And there's just not a whole lot to do. (laughs) I think normally I'd be preparing for talks and workshops and I can't do that. So I've been doing, as far as like work goes, I've been doing a little like housekeeping. Like I've always wanted to get a new site together and, you know, kind of think about what I really enjoy doing and stuff like that. So I'm doing a bit of that. But what I'm really doing is making food. (laughs) I wouldn't call it cooking. I would call it making food. Seems like a difference. 
I am journaling a lot. I wasn't able to do that the first like month, month and a half. Cause I, I was really numbing myself out. Um, it was like too overwhelming to think about the pandemic and like every other news story going on. And so I couldn't really let myself go into sensitivity. Like I couldn't let myself be sensitive because if I let myself be sensitive, I would not stop crying. So just to be able to kind of get through a day, I think I had to kind of numb myself a lot, which means like, I'm not creative. I'm not right. You know, if you're, if I'm not, you can't numb like one part of yourself and not numb everything else. You know, you can't be numb to like news stories and expect to be creative at the same time. It doesn't work like that. So I had a really, really hard time being creative and I, I still do, but I think I've, I've sort of lessened the numbness. Like now I let myself really feel it, which often does mean that I'm less productive, but I, I think I can tap into creativity a lot more when I really let myself feel everything. So my morning routine has stayed pretty much the same. I still go on walks, still try to journal, get some gratitude in there. Um, been listening to a lot of music. Um, I just discovered the Indigo Girls. Why didn't anyone tell me? I've been listening to Palisa, Grace Weber, um, lots of old stuff that I've always really loved. Danny Brown. Yeah. That's uh, me letting out a sigh. This next clip is from Erin Claire Jones, and she is my most favorite human design reader. Human design is one of my favorite fun systems that makes me feel articulated more than Myers-Briggs or any other sort of personality test type thing out there right now. And Erin has become a friend that I really cherish. And I highly recommend her Instagram, especially right now, she's doing the charts of some influential Black people like Malcolm X. And it's really interesting to see that. I really loved it. Hi, this is Erin Clara Jones. I've been on Katie's podcast twice. One was, oh, they were both live. Um, both live conversations around human design, both in New York City, and they were the most fun. I adore Katie so much, and she's such a beautiful embodiment of her human design, which is all about um, finding her truth through her voice and really talking things out and journaling, kind of letting her clarity come through that. And it feels like she provides so much clarity to all of us through that process. Um, how have I been doing since our episode, since both of our episodes? I've been doing good. I mean, the world of human design is exploding. It feels like more people are eager to learn about themselves than ever before. And I'm so uh, lucky to be able to serve them and be able to work with so many people right now. And I also find that, especially in this time of COVID and quarantine, more people than ever are actually really interested in learning about themselves because it feels like people are really ready to level up their lives, whether it's their personal lives, you know, their career, their relationships, and really just get more in alignment. You know, it feels like people are just ready. So it's been so cool to support so many people during this time. My morning routine lately, you know, it's always changing right now. It's a combination of Kundalini, which I just love. And then after Kundalini, just sitting in meditation, which I find my meditations are so much more powerful when I give myself that space to do Kundalini before. Um, and anything that I'd like to let out, 
I mean, I'm just really grateful for Katie. I think Katie's the best and I, I love this podcast and I love the work she's doing. And so it's been such an honor to share a couple of times. And um, if you guys ever want to dive deeper into human design, we do have a discount code for the blueprint offering. It's called, it, I think the discount code is let it out, but such a pleasure. Thanks for having me sending all the love. This is a tiny clip from Sid Garza Hillman and he came on the podcast so early on. And it was so cool to hear from him because it's so funny. Some of these people come on and we don't keep in touch and I kind of, you know, forget about them or, you know, I don't even think my great, great grandmother like knew 300 people in her life in her small town, you know? So I'm starting to even forget who has come on the podcast. And it was really fun to go back and reflect. And Sid and I tried to write a book together. We were like working on a manuscript for a while, which is so funny and random. And it was really cool to hear from him. Hi, I'm Sid Garza Hillman. And I was on Katie's podcast many a year ago. We talked about my books and my practice and my small steps approach. And she's fantastic. And I miss her. I hope you're doing well, Katie. And I'm working on a new book now, my third book, and got the kids at home for the quarantine. So they're doing their thing. My wife works at home. So we're all kind of hunkering down and I'm writing and exercising and doing my videos and my podcasts and keeping busy. Anyway, congratulations on your 300th. You're awesome. And I hope that we cross paths soon. All right, you guys, that was a weird, strange episode, but I hope there was something that was interesting or relevant and you know, last but not least, I'm going to share a really sweet message from my actual best friend. And sometimes I interview people who become friends. Sometimes I have real life friends on the podcast because the conversation that I get to have with them when we record is different than a non-recorded conversation. And I get to ask things that I would maybe be too bashful to ask if we were just having dinner. And Simi is one of those people. She's been on the podcast multiple times. And I'm sharing this little, it's so kind and supportive, this little message that she left me. And I'm putting it here because you know what? I wish you guys that support. I wish you support and friendship, especially right now. It's intense. And I think if you can have conversations, you know, with people you love and feel supported, that is really nice. And I'm going to just share that kind of a message here as an example of the level of encouragement I am so grateful to receive from Simi. She's a gem. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Simi makes me feel loved and I want you all to feel that way. So I know we're all working for justice and to be allies and take care of yourselves. All right. I'll talk to you next week with a new episode. The emoji this week is the black heart. Hey, Katie, it's Sam. I wanted to send you a message and let you know how much you mean to me and how much let it out has meant to me. There is not a week that goes by where I don't eagerly await the newest episode. And if it's a week where there isn't one where I don't go through the archives and listen to one of my old favorites, you have such a gift for conversation. You have so much curiosity and creativity and thoughtfulness that you bring to this podcast. And I can't thank you enough for sharing it with me and for sharing it with the world. 
And the conversations that we've gotten to have on the podcast are so dear to me and I will always cherish them. I love you. I thank you. And congratulations on 300 podcast episodes on Let It Out.